Welcome everyone to the Joelle Martin Mastery Podcast. I'm a networking expert and the author of the upcoming book, Know No Strangers, How to Build Community One Relationship at a Time. My why is the pursuit of mastery, and the goal of this podcast is to lock arms on a lifelong mission of daily personal growth to become the best version of ourselves. So let's dive in to today's episode. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the podcast. We are joined by a very special guest. Uh, He's the co-founder of Coachable Creators Agency. He's a wordsmith and he's also a high ticket sales coach. So welcome to the call, Mr. Marcos Mendoza. Marcos, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to this. It's going to be awesome. I know you got a lot of value to offer here, which is why, why I, I, I was looking, looking out, looking to get you on the call. I had you on the list of my top guests whenever I started the podcast. I, I had to get Marcos Mendoza on for this to be a legit podcast. So uh, thank you for the support. Thank you for joining us today. So uh, our history is a few years ago, uh, I came across this inspirational video called I Am. I loved it. Uh, It got me right in the feels. I decided to look online to see who this guy was. So uh, I was able to find out that we live in the same in the same city. I was able to find you on Facebook and see that we have hundreds of mutual friends. We are kind of in the same uh, the same community. So I reached out and I said, "Hey, I have this networking event coming up called My Empire Networking. Uh, There's some amazing keynote speakers. I think you'd enjoy the event. I think you'd meet some amazing people. And then if you enjoy it." Maybe you could be a keynote speaker in the future. So fast forward a few years, you've been the keynote speaker a few times. We've been able to to stay in touch and and build a relationship here. So I'm just wondering, where did your passion for self-expression, for spoken word, for inspiring other people, where did that come from? So, you know, one thing that's really been coming up for me as I prepared for this, and I want to acknowledge this in person because I believe that you're very much of a giver. You're, you're an extraordinary giver. You're always producing some form of value to contribute. You're always giving, you're leading. And all those opportunities that you've granted me with, I want to express gratitude for all of that. Um, I don't produce as many events as you, so it's difficult for me to give back <laughs> as much as you give. But I did want to publicly share uh, an acknowledgement of all your efforts, of everything you've done for the community, um, for your growth, for your commitment, for your practice of excellence. Um, really just your way of being has been very uh, implemented and, and planted in my listening uh, as someone that is definitely, uh, that has integrity to their word and someone that's definitely out there paving the way for others. So for all the opportunities that you've given me, for the way that you've enabled me to have a platform to, to share my voice and add value. And then of course, for, you know, asking me to participate in this conversation for all of that and more for the seen and the unseen for the efforts in preparation and for everything that you've really just committed to in your way of being through your entrepreneurialism, through your leadership, through your care. Uh, I want to say thank you for that. Well, you're very welcome. And thank you very much. I appreciate that. You're welcome. So um, self-expression for me, believe it or not, I I was actually raised somewhat muted. Um, 
it wasn't until I was about 16 where I started to hang around some guys that, you know, they were lyricists and I started to write. Uh, I remember writing my very first song. I was 16, sitting outside of Yorkdale Mall, waiting for my mom to come out of the mall. And I just started writing. And uh, it was interesting how I managed to pick up that I had what I now come to understand as a flow state. I had a flow state in language and in expression from like the earliest days of discovering that I had that ability. And, you know, self-expression, it just came as a way of expressing and amplifying the areas of my way of being that were suppressed. So not being popular, being bullied, being small, being afraid, um, just a lot of the ways of being that caused me to always just live in the shadows. Self-expression kind of gave me a voice. Um, and and I, I started to really like it. I liked knowing that I was being heard. Um, and, you know, for the first 10 years of that process, that journey, it was very all ego and validation based, right? It was not service based. It was all like, hear me, validate me, appreciate me, tell me that you like this. It was like me attempting to catch up, to use my words, my thoughts, and my opinions. It was for the purpose of just being validated for all that I felt like I was lacking from the way I was raised. So uh, that's really where it all stemmed from. How do you, how do you go from having that be ego-based to being more of a servant leader? How does that transition happen? In my case, um, the way it happened was when I started to discover how much value there was in the breakthroughs and the appreciation of what people's experiences were. However, besides that, I recall that what happened was I changed my ideal customer audience instead of my audience being a hip hop audience. It, it became a personal development audience. And when I discovered the way that, so in a, in a hip hop audience, I would write songs and pour my heart out for a musical audience. And I would get like that, like slow clap. And then when I would do the same work, except make it less about lyrics and more about spoken word or more about speeches in front of a, a personal development enthused audience, I'd get standing ovations. So it was when I discovered the type of people that were on the receiving end of the message, that's what caused the breakthrough. Mm. So uh, for the people that are just listening on the podcast and don't get the visual, uh, Marcos is in a studio where he's got, uh, I can see a camera, some lighting equipment, uh, and there's just like a white wall that you can write on, and he's got writing all over the place. So what's going on back there? What are we looking at? You look like a code breaker or something. Yeah, so we're looking at my spread. I have this uh, mild obsession with whiteboarding. Um, I, I have, I love experiencing downloads where uh, the inside of an idea comes through, and then instantly as I write it, it's like it all formulates and whiteboarding gives me this like inspirational approach where it's almost like an artist writing on a canvas. Um, I love diagrams. I love plans. I love charts. I love 
I love the smell of whiteboard markers. I love the process. I love the feeling of the, of the tip on the whiteboard. Like there, it's just, it's, it's a aesthetically, the experience of writing on whiteboards is something that excites me and, and fulfills me. Um, I also like to know that whatever goes on that board, it's very intentional. I find that in my journal, I write in my journal and then I have to constantly flip back and forth with it. And it's like, you lose track of the genius of your ideas, but on the whiteboard, it's like, it's always there and it only gets erased after it's complete. So you're saying that uh, it's about to get erased. So you've, you've gone through those ideas, you've completed them and it's time to start from scratch and let the inspiration come in again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Each whiteboard represents a different sector of the company. Okay, awesome. So the company is Coachable. Uh, can, you, can you share a little bit what it is that you do? So Coachable is uh, an agency that helps coaches create coaching programs. And that comes with everything with regarding to starting the business, uh, scaling the business, creating the products and services, and producing the social impact campaigns. Um, for entrepreneurs, we focus on helping them double their impact and triple their income. So it really just depends on what it is that the coach or the entrepreneur is seeking to receive. We've developed over a dozen different programs and each program is catered to a specific need or a specific lack that exists inside the model of each of the entrepreneurs. So whether it be self-expression, whether it be self-worth, whether it be numbers, whether it be execution, whether it be building the product or service, whether it be producing a social impact campaign, branding, sales, it just depends. So uh, we get to choose who we work with. And that's the very, that's a model that we've put in place that has worked extremely well for us is, is not just opening our doors to anyone. It's actually going through a qualification process and also using our, what we call a bespoke model, which is we create the programs based on the, the dozen programs that we have. And we hand pick what we believe would be a good fit to guide the client through so that we can get them to the specific goals because um, the entrepreneurial experience for whether a coach or, or a self-employed small business, it's never a static standard process. It's always different for every person. So we have to take into consideration uh, that everybody's in a different place. So we customize each program that we produce specifically for the person that comes through our doors. So an entrepreneur or a coach or a small business owner, if they wanted to work with you guys, uh, how, what's the process look like? Do they have to uh, get interviewed? You meet with them? How does that work just to get through the door to be considered? It's an interview anyways? process. Like we'll take, we'll take, um, so we, we have a qualification criteria. Once we receive the submission from that process, we then assess whether it would be a good idea to get on a call or not. And then from there, it really just depends on what they filled out in that qualification criteria. So it's usually a three, three to five step conversation process before we actually begin. What, uh, what are you looking for? Someone that's, that's passionate, someone that has a vision that just needs some help fleshing out that vision. Uh, is it some, something that resonates with you? Are, are there certain kind of traits that you're looking for? Absolutely. Yeah. The first word that comes to mind, and we say this a lot, is they have to have grit. Um, this work is selfish and selfless. And the balance of both requires a tremendous amount of grit 
passion, commitment, focus, intention, servitude, vision, on and on and on and on. Like to be self-employed, to be entrepreneurial, which is the equivalent to being an innovative creator, an innovative thinker, a content creator, a relationship builder, an event producer, uh, you know, all these things like you're constantly in creation mode and you're fueled by the vision uh, of what you see for the world as a contribution, but also you're fueled by the fulfillment of what it's like to live in your ideas, knowing that you can manifest any idea that you put that, that comes out of the ether that you pick out. Like being that way requires a tremendous ambition, requires tremendous determination. You got to have, you got to be, you know, it, it takes something special. So we're always looking for that character, that relentless character, that grit. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be working hard. They can work intelligently. Um, like, for example, for us, we learned that what got us to six figures is not the same strategy and way of being that's getting us to seven figures. So it varies depending on where the person is. One of our favorite projects is helping entrepreneurs get to five figures per month. Just simply getting to five figures a month. There's a lot of entrepreneurs, like 96% of companies that start in their first year don't make it past the first year, right? And if they were making five figures from the jump, they perhaps a lot of them would survive. Um, so that's one of the things that we realized very quickly is the self-worth and value conversation of what you're putting out into the world. If you're not doing 10, 20, $30,000 a month, you know, there's a good chance your business is going to struggle. It's going to, it's going to take a while. It's going to lag. Um, so helping people realize and crack that code and how, helping them celebrate that they make, you know, a minimum $10,000 a month. It's a huge experience for a lot of the entrepreneurs we work with. This, uh, this podcast is about mastery. So we're interviewing uh, professionals in different industries and trying to see what the, the common links are why this person's successful and that person's successful and, and grit has actually been coming up a lot. This is the seventh episode and I'm seeing grit every episode or two. Someone will mention grit is one of the traits that help them get to where they are. You need that perseverance, right? Cause not every day is going to be a great day and you need that vision that's going to pull you through the days that aren't perfect. Uh, speaking of days that aren't perfect, with uh, with COVID and self-isolation for the last three months or so, it's really affected a lot of small business owners and entrepreneurs. Uh, I think this has really showed people the importance of uh, being able to generate income from home and, and generate income online. So one of the things that you do is you help people uh, set up online courses. Why do you think online courses are so important? So we actually have stepped away from the online course model and we focus more on the coaching program model and the coaching program is different from the online course. Uh, an online course is a low ticket automated evergreen system. Um, that it's very difficult to sell uh, and scale um, unless you're running tremendous amount of advertising money and you have a presence online that is, you know, cr casting a shadow on all your competitors. Like a Tony um, Robbins or someone. Right, right. Like, you, you know, that, that marketing plan, that low ticket automated online course model, you know, it's very difficult. Three out of every 10 people that purchase an online course complete it. To me, that's not fulfilling. Um, it's just not fulfilling to do all that work. You know, it takes sometimes three to six months to create an online course. And then it's crickets when you start selling it. 
um, community development and community like, okay, you being a master at that, at nurturing the community, collecting leads, nurturing those leads, connecting those leads with each other, building relationships, social equity, all those ways of being that have people do the word of mouth for you because of the way you've led and the way that you've empowered. Like if, if you, if Joe, Joel was to put out an online course, you would probably do really well, even a subscription model because of how you have thousands of people that are interconnected into each other. Right. Uh, but for most people, they don't have the audacity or the tenacity to nurture the relationships with the amount of people that is necessary for them to turn a profit, especially if they're selling a low ticket online course, coaching programs, teaching programs, mentoring programs, uh, consultation programs. That's a different story. That's high ticket. We could sell a 5,000 to a $50,000 coaching, mentoring, teaching, or consulting model, work from home, from your phone. And one sale is enough to help you set yourself up for the month and you don't have to be prospecting hundreds and thousands of people, right? So that's why we focus mostly on the coaching program because the coaching program is a model, the coaching program, the teaching model. And I say these words because our coachability index, we are coaches, but we're not just coaches. Coachable is about being architects. We blueprint the strategy through our bespoke approach. It's about being listeners. We listen to what's lacking, what's missing, what's getting in the way, and then we fulfill on that lack. Coaches, teachers, mentors, affiliates, and then business partners at the end. So there's a whole way of being that comes with applying yourself to a model that can help you sustain yourself online without having to go to work every day, nine to five. That doesn't mean that it's easier. It just means that it requires a different set of disciplinary ways of being procedures, practices, and exercises for you to discover what it looks like for you to convert a conversation into the exchange of value. Right. And it's just a whole different way of being. We teach that way of being. I remember years ago when you were a keynote speaker at one of the events, you, you asked the crowd, what would you guys require from me to buy a $10,000 package? And people were throwing out, I would need you to do this. And I would look for this and I want coaching every week and all these different things. And you said, okay, great. Um, listening to what someone would be willing to spend $10,000 on, whatever they think $10,000 worth of value is, is a great place for you to start building a $10,000 program. Uh, can you touch a little bit on, on what you were saying about that? Yeah, so um, the, the best thing about that exercise is that it, can, it, it demonstrates almost instantly what you evaluate your own worth as a contribution to others at. So it's really interesting how that model has evolved so much. I, I remember when I first did that exercise and, and I realized, and, and, I, and I remember doing it not because it was taught, but doing it because I was doing it for myself. I journaled, this was in 2015, I journaled saying, okay, if I was to charge $5,000 to work with me, uh, rather, if I was to invest $5,000 to, to work with someone, what would I want to get? And then I wrote it all down and I wrote this crazy list. And then I 
10,000, 15,000, 20. The more, the higher the rate, I discovered that I would add more and more and more and more value. But what I didn't understand then that I understand now is that value was not determined by quantity and value is not determined by how much time. Value is determined by value. And what is considered as value is what the ideal client or audience has expressed is the value they want to receive. So you, it doesn't matter how many workbooks, it doesn't matter how many hours, it doesn't matter how many days or weeks or months, time and quantity does not determine how much you are worth financially. Because I can have one hour, one hour conversation with somebody and charge them $25,000 for that conversation and they can go out and get a return on that investment within the week and suddenly I'm worth $25,000 an hour depending on how extraordinary they are at putting themselves to work. So that exercise is about helping people demonstrate to themselves what they're committed to producing. Now, the secret to it is everything that they write down with regards to, okay, if I was to invest $10,000 into working with a coach, here's what I would want to get in return. Great. Everything that you listed is everything that you go out into the world and create. That's your blueprint. That's your starting point. So if you wrote for 10K, I want 20 calls. Now you're going to go give 20 calls. For 10K, I want four workbooks. Now you're gonna go create four workbooks. For 10K, I want access to uh, peers, mentors, and leaders in the community. You're gonna go find and create access to peers, mentors, and leaders in the community, right? So the whole purpose of it is for you to identify with what you would invest into is what you would actually go give the world as well. It's equal like that. So what we just covered, is that what you cover as a high ticket sales coach? Could be. High ticket can look like so many things for so many people, depending on where they're at financially. Okay. Some people consider $2,500 for a coaching program to be high ticket. Mm. The reason why some people may consider that, and I, I won't go lower than 2,500 as considered a high ticket. High ticket, it just ranges where you are in your reputation, where you are in your results, and where you are in your self-worth. You know, we do bundles because coaching, teaching, mentoring, consulting is not measured by the hour, at least not how we do it. We understand that the amount of life's experience plus the academics associated to what we had to invest into ourselves is what helps us determine the amount of value that we can give in return. The ROI is not always determined by a return of, of your investment financially. An ROI could be based on the breakthroughs that you experience, the fulfillment, the tender love and care, the accountability, the systems and structures. ROI can look like so many different things. It could look like how well they healed from their pain or how quickly they alleviated their suffering or how activated they are in solving their problems or how determined or how consistent, persistent and activated they are to achieve their goals. It could look like so many different things. So every coach, teacher, mentor, consultant gets to choose that for themselves. And then they get to commit to experiencing that, ex having an equal experience with their client so that their client can acknowledge that they are fulfilled in their investment. So it's not always a financial return. How, how important is personal growth uh, for you? And are there any books that, that you recommend? Have you seen any inspirational speakers that were awesome? Have you been to any uh, seminars or conferences that made a difference in your life? It's everything. It's everything. It's everything based off of, I have, I've done all, all of the above. Um, you know, 
it's one thing to take in knowledge and it's a whole other thing to do something with that knowledge. It's one thing to read a book and it's another thing to study the book. It's one thing to listen to a speaker and it's another thing to apply what the speaker suggested. I've learned that being a passive student, all that causes in me is both anxiety and ambition, but not fulfillment. I get fulfilled when I actually go and do the work and experience it. And doing the work requires discipline. Doing the work requires patience, you know? So it's not so much as like, oh yeah, it's great to take in information. It's fantastic to take in information, but what do you do with that information? How does your character get shaped by that information? Who do you become? What do you end up becoming? What do you end up practicing as a way of being because of that information? That's what actually transforms your way of being, right? So all of that is fantastic. It's just, what do you do with that way of being? What do you do with that information? I hear that someone's goal shouldn't be to be happy. It should be to be fulfilled because uh, let's say you look at a one week period of time. I mean, you can have a goal to just be happy every single day for seven days, but if your goal is to be fulfilled, uh, if you're working towards that fulfillment with things that are meaningful to you, if it's, there's a purpose, if you're on a mission, you can have three out of the seven days that aren't great. And it does, you know, even if you're not super happy on those days, it's still a part of that journey of fulfillment. And that fulfillment is, is what, what gets you through the day. Do you, do you see any truth to that? Yeah, you want to poke holes in that, in that uh, point of view? I could, I could poke holes in anything really. Um, we could all poke holes. Uh, some things should just be left as they are. I think that's pretty, pretty good. You know, like fulfillment is indeed one of the ultimate ways of being that activates happiness. You know, I, I don't think it's possible to be happy without experiencing fulfillment. You know, um, I'm going to leave it as it is. Cool. Uh, so we both have backgrounds in audio engineering. Uh, can you explain to our listeners what on audio engineering is and how has uh, that skill helped you in everything that you do? It's different, right? Like for me, our audio engineering program was uh, a shit show. It was a crash course, 15 months, overly priced disaster of a program that should have been taught in five years. So, you know, we didn't really learn how to engineer audio. We learned how to make beats, right? Okay. We learned how to make beats. And what they did was to kill time or to make room, I guess, or, or to, to stuff the program. They taught us about signal and they taught us about audio waves and they taught us about sine wave. They taught us about, you know, they taught us almost everything you can imagine about how audio works, why it works, the, the pioneers behind it. Um, and it just became an overly uh, exposed program where a lot, it was very difficult to retain information, which is why I say we always, we just ended up making beats. Um, so it was very, a very difficult program for me. Audio engineering um, may look a lot different than, than for you with the experience that you've had, the hands-on level of experience that you've had. It's helped me um, 
it's so interesting, dude. Like I've gone through Pro Tools. I've gone through Cubase. I've gone through Fruity Loops. I've gone through Reason. And I've gone through Ableton. And now I'm on Logic Pro, you know, and I hired uh, a composer. I hired one of uh, Hans Zimmer's apprentices to be my coach. And he's currently coach. I have a call with him right after this one. Um, so it's like, I took that program when I was 23, I'm 35 and I'm just starting to apply what I learned from that program now, you know? So it was a difficult experience for me to take that program. Um, and, and I didn't really do much with it. However, the best thing that I got from that program is that I got access to 24 hours of music studios where I could play the piano. And it was in that program that I realized that I have a God-given gift, which is I can play the piano without learning how to play the piano. So that is the greatest highlight of that experience. Whatever, what I paid tuition to go to that school was to get access to the learning that, oh, wow, I can play the piano and I don't even know how to play the piano. So that was the best thing that I got from that. Now, you have a speech about the 10 essentials to reaching your maximum potential. Can you share a, a few of those essentials uh, with our listeners? Yeah, I'll share them all real quick in less than 10 seconds. So it's imagination, motivation, potential, optimism, sacrifice, skills, initiative, belief, love, and education. Um, that was a huge, that, that time in my life when the 10 essentials were, you know, they were like priming me to discover and really look at who I was, I was very activated in the essentials. I was living by imagination and I was motivated and I discovered my potential and I was optimistic about my success and I was sacrificing skills and sacrificing things and practicing and honing my skills. And I had initiative and belief and love and I was educating myself. And that was a great time. I tattooed it on my arm. I'm possible. Um, that's the 10 essentials. And that was one of the highlights of my life was going through those 10 essentials as a way of being. And it really got me to where we are today. And I still practice those ways of being and I embody them completely. Mm. Now, you, you are an instructor and a national manager at the Think and Grow Rich Institute. Can you share the background of how that book was written? Because it's fascinating. And why should that be essential reading to everyone? Uh, I've heard that the average millionaire and billionaire has read that book 11 times to show how important that is. Yeah, like if you take into consideration the audacity that it takes a person to uh, go from humble beginnings to the point where they are contracted or rather employed to take on an opportunity to speak to a, the wealthiest person in the world, which at the time was Dale Carnegie. You know, if you can imagine Napoleon Hill being, I believe he was 23 years old, you know, to go out into the world and, and just take on the, the opportunity to be led, be mentored and be put on a mission requested and invited to go on a 25 year journey to interview and have conversations with some of the most wealthiest minds in the world. Like that's, that's 25 years. If you think about what it takes for that, if you think about the commitment to that, if you think about who he became through that, I think we all have a little bit of Napoleon Hill in us. Um, and for him to do that work, collect that data, apply it himself and ultimately get supported by the people that supported that mission 
that way of being that lifestyle. Like, you know, I say a little bit of all of us have is because we have access to the wealthiest minds in the world, you know, through all the resources that we have, but do we have the discipline to actually document what we are learning and put it into practical use so that we become byproducts of all of that knowledge. Napoleon Hill actually did that. And that's why he amassed such a, a wide variety of books. Um, to me, that, that, that phase of my life was a miracle that that happened. Like I, I'm still in shock that that happened. I was carrying thinking grow, thinking grow rich in my backpack, you know, next to awaken the giant within and the magic of thinking big, you know, from 17 to like 25, I was that, that book was always there. I was buying and handing out that book. And then the secret came out and I correlated the two. And I was like, wow, the secret is the law of attraction, the law of attraction, then Bob Proctor and all this stuff started happening. And there was a boom. I think we all kind of woke up to a source of information that was sleeping inside of all of us. And for me at 30 years old, to have the opportunity to teach the content, to be mentored by the president, to take on the responsibility of helping him create the curriculum, to practice all of that. Like it was huge, huge. However, I was making a a minimum wage salary while working at the Institute. So I wasn't even the richest person yet. It wasn't until after I left the Institute where I started to apply the principles. However, I actually had a breakthrough yesterday in realizing it's less about think and grow rich and it's more about the systems because think and grow rich. It's actually not about money. Think and grow rich is about think and grow rich in your self worth, right? It's about a way of being. It's about the psychology of the human condition and how your way of being can help you innovate and think and apply and build the, the, the skills to become a wealthy person internally. And then through communication and connections, relationships, ethics, vision, through all of these desires and purpose, you become wealthy as a manifestation of your constant and never ending improvement. But if like what I'm learning now as someone that's in it and it's like, we're dancing between six and seven figures with clients and ourselves all the time, it's about systems and strategies, right? And ultimately everything starts with vision or in their case, desire, right? Or purpose. So it's a remarkable book that I definitely suggest everyone takes in at least once. I've heard that the majority of people that read Think and Grow Rich don't finish Think and Grow Rich. <laughs> they get to the they get to the the sex transmutation chapter and then they fall off, right? So it, it's um it's a deep read that requires immense study. It's not the type of book that you read for the purpose of getting complete with it. It's the type of person that you read for the purpose of studying, analyzing, and putting it to work. It was on my third read, which was about a year ago, that I really started to understand it. The first two were just reads, oh, it's crazy, this was written so long ago and it's still relevant. But then this time I I studied it. I was highlighting, I was writing things out, I was doing the exercises. Um, and, and it's like a completely different book is the book stays the same, but it's you that's growing as a person every time you dive into it. it it's kind of crazy. His story, Napoleon Hill, in your early 20s, you commit to 25 years, this mission without any guarantee of coming out the other side with success. And what's amazing is what he learned with all those different people and all those lessons he ended up becoming wealthy by writing these amazing books. So it, 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 
it's almost like his story and his journey proves that this stuff works, which is pretty awesome. Um, so you mentioned uh, being at the Think and Grow Rich Institute and, you know, learning from the president. So let's talk about mentors a little bit. How important are mentors in helping you get to where you're looking to go uh, faster than you doing it on your own, being able to learn from them and their mistakes? And did you have any mentors that really shaped who you are today? Yeah, it's a tremendous it's a tremendous contribution to each of our lives. That's why, you know, the reason why we, we evolved our brand from what it initially was, which was the startup boutique to coachable is because we realized that we had to be coachable and we weren't being coachable. We were very much in our ego. We were very much in our celebration of like how much money we made and all this stuff. And we realized that we were slipping because we were being motivated by numbers rather than by structures. So we called ourselves out and we said, okay, let's start to get to work with some, let's, let's practice being coachable so that we can create a, a rigorous and thorough qualification criteria and process so that whoever we choose to work with is also coachable. And that, that all stemmed from us choosing to be mentored and from knowing that we were putting ourselves in a position to mentor others. So, but in order to mentor others, in order to charge what we charge, we had to do the work on ourselves. So we had to invest that what we charge. We had to invest that back into ourselves. What, what we were asking for others, we had to give that to ourselves. Like we had to be mentored. We had to be coached. We had to be coachable. So, you know, to answer your question, like we had to practice that way of being in order for us to evolve where we were in our business. So for us, we've had so many mentors. We just hired a team of, we have like six coaches right now, you know, that are helping us dance to, to the seven figure mark, you know, and it's, it's a, it's phenomenal because a mentor that is qualified sees the steps you're about to take based off of, how well you communicate authentically and honestly where you currently are. They already see it because they've already done it. So they're witnessing you. Their commitment to you is to help you avoid that puddle, right? So it's a phenomenal experience to allow yourself to be trusted, you know, or rather to trust yourself to go through what a mentor can do for you. But you got to be coachable, right? And you got to have patience and you got to be willing to receive so that you can grow and, and work in harmony with each other. Like I, we, you know, coachable has a lot of slogans. One of my favorite is good people make great coaches. Ethical people make great coaches, great entrepreneurs, you know, and we always look for that in mentoring. And, you know, we reach out to all these people that we have as mentors in our, in our lives and our authentic vulnerability about where we're at. It, it is what keeps our mentors close to us because it's beyond just the entrepreneurialism. It's about who you are evolving as, as a person first. And that's at the core of your being. And, and it's the way that you are as a person is what determines your success in this industry, not all industries in our industry, a, the, a people's industry requires you to be a good person. You're, you're speaking of good people. Your fiance is a successful entrepreneur. Uh, what's it like working with her? And do you have any advice for, for couples that are thinking of going into business together? Honestly, it's, it's got its challenges and it's got its benefits and rewards. 
Jess and I have a really good time doing life together. Like we just have a really good time being with each other. Like uh, there's got to be playfulness. There's got to be fun. There's got to be rest. There's got to be rewards. Um, but there's, you know, <laughs> the, the, the hardest rather, not the hardest, but the ultimate challenge of working with your partner is when you have to call each other out. Today, she called me out. I called her out and she called me out today on two different occasions. I have an initiative that I put together called Man of My Word. It's where I have to practice one way of being every day that is outside of my comfort zone that is ultimately going to help me practice being a man of my word for the purpose of building integrity and self-discipline. And I tried to bail from what I committed to doing today one hour early. I said it was by one o'clock and I tried to do it at 12 so that I get it. And then I tried to come up with excuses like, I'm a man of my word because I get to make up for this and I get to do it. And she's like, no, she's like, if you do that now, one hour early, then you're not a man of your word because you said one o'clock. And just because you, you try to talk yourself out of it, it, it doesn't mean you're a man of your word. You're a man of your word if you complete it by one o'clock, not an hour early. And she had, and she called me out in it and I was like, oh, I was like, you're right. Right. And then I called her out. We're literally doing our profit and loss sheets today. And she pulls out her phone and starts going on Instagram. I'm like, oh, off the phone. And it was like, she couldn't, she couldn't say anything. She knew like that she had to be in alignment with the commitment that we both agreed to. So I think working with your partner can be one of the greatest experiences that will bring you together as long as you focus on not making each other wrong, as long as you focus on not blaming, and as long as you focus on understanding that what you are co-creating in your partnership is a collaborative experience that is, res that is based off of an equal responsibility for all things related to the business. Because it doesn't matter if she's in charge of sales and you're in charge of marketing, if there's not enough sales coming in, it's not because she did bad at sales. It's because you missed the opportunity to hold her accountable or you missed the opportunity to check in or you perhaps didn't put in a structure to make sure that she wasn't failing. It's equal partnership and it comes with play, communication, love, and all the good stuff that comes with simply just being two people that are choosing to do life with each other. So it, it, it's, a, it's an adventure. And it, it's egoless. That's, that's the best way I could put it. If you're doing it, it's an egoless relationship. Do you have any advice on how to most effectively use social media to build your brand and, and to create connections with other people? Yes, 100%. Start using social media for what, actually, what it actually is. Let's say we dissect the etymology of social media. Social is community. Media is content, community and content. Social media is not about advertising, but we get treated like it is. We get treated because social media is a billboard. Instagram is a billboard. Facebook is a billboard. LinkedIn is a billboard. Twitter is a billboard. They're all billboards. So we're getting advertised to. So we don't feel like engaging with people because we're constantly being blasted with a take mentality. So let's hijack that and start to build the most important form of equity which is relationships. So if you use social media to create compelling content that inspires your community to engage or vice versa, 
Well, you're getting the most important currency from the use of social media, which is relationships. The relationships that you build and you nurture are what are going to determine how successful you are, how much trust you have, how much affinity you develop. Everything is built off of people. All businesses are built with people. And if there's no people in your business, if there's no customers, then you don't have much of a business. So the greatest thing that you can get out of social media is learning how to start every conversation. I don't care if it's 100 people you're friends with or 5,000 people that you're friends with or followers. I challenge every client and every person start every conversation with gratitude. Thanks for following me. Thanks for adding me. Thanks for accepting my request. Thanks for that like. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for commenting. Thanks for engaging. Start every conversation with gratitude and you'll never have anything sleazy to feel bad about. The more relationships you build, the more equity you have, the more equity you have with your people, the more opportunities you have to connect, the more connection you have, the more rapport you build, the more rapport you build, the more people are going to take a stand for you when you're out in the world causing the, the impact that you want to cause. How do you keep this fun after all these years with your career? How do you, how do you have a good time still? So it's not just trudging through the day-to-day -day grind. Initiatives. We produce initiatives, right? So everything is based off of what we call a social impact campaign. So it's like, okay, what's the impact that we want to make in the next four to six weeks? And then we decide on that. What does that look like? Like, for example, right now, the next initiative we have is called Co the coachable summer season, which is we're tackling the problem that most entrepreneurs have, which is when it's nice outside, you don't want to do work. So we're doing a whole four to six week campaign demonstrating how fun and how empowering it can be to do 10K from the park per day, right? So how to work from the phone, tripod, microphone, laptop, journal, park, picnic basket, bicycle, rollerblades. Like we're incorporating a whole how to build a business from the park right themes so that people can have a good time knowing that they could be at the cottage knowing they could, because ultimately if you have enough equity in real estate and stuff like that and you don't have to be working then great but not everybody has that luxury a lot of people are still in the grind they still got to pay their bills you know they're in the middle of like do i get a job and go back to work or do i keep this going and it's like we'll show you how to keep this going in a way where it's fun and what makes it fun is producing social impact initiatives ways of being that transform lives, ways of being where you demonstrate the joy and the, of the expression that you have around how you look at the world, especially now with everything that's happening. So we, we just produce initiatives. Last month, it was the crash course. The month before that, it was the Goddess Girl Talk Collective. The month before, like there's always an initiative. So it's, it's the same content, just recycled under a different brand. Hmm. Now, with, with your public speaking, with your, your poetry, with all that stuff, you've, you've won a few different competitions. You finished first place in Speaker Slam, which is a, a huge accomplishment. First place in the Dynamo public speaking competition. Uh, what were those experiences like and what do those accolades mean to you? Does it just look good on a resume or does it mean more than that? They were game changers, you know, game changers. For me, it was uh, acknowledgement and validation were really important. Um, you know, anytime that you are chosen by people as a quote unquote champion after practice and rehearsal and vision and, and you know, after any time that you are selected by people uh, based off of a first impression of content that you share, it's important. You, you do feel valued. So that was, it's really special to be considered, um, you know, 
a, a winner in that sense. Um, and those two competitions, they, they catapulted my presence online. It catapulted my career um, and the relationships that I had with people. So they were very, very, very important times. I won't compete again. Um, I've actually noticed I don't like being measured by my speaking ability uh, to the point where I'm, I'm uh, competed against. I don't think I don't, it's not where I'm at anymore. Um, so I'm grateful for those two titles. Um, but I've evolved from it. And I, I feel like I, I express now less to be judged. And I express now more to release things that are in my space. Mm. When, when you find yourself in, in a rut, maybe, maybe uh, you haven't been productive in, in, in a few days, maybe you start having some, some negative thoughts, some doubt, worry, fear, those things creep in here and there. How do you snap out of that as quickly as possible? So you don't, it doesn't snowball into something bigger. It snowballs a lot. Sometimes you just can't snap out of it, you know, and we, we try and we, we, you know, we're so hard on ourselves. Um, I'll answer it in two ways. The honest answer is you just rest, you rest, you know, um, because burnout, burnout is no bueno, you know, it's no bueno. It's a real thing. I wrote, I did a post on Sunday that just passed and I, I shared my, my face after waking up from a nap saying, just woke up. And what I realized is I can't be on all the time, you know, and I am, I'm on all the time. So when I'm in my funk, inner deep introspective reflection is so important. A lot of writing, um, a lot of sleep. If you're active and you can exercise, then get out of your own way and sweat. Um, just be as lazy as you have to be without self-sabotaging. And be very considerate of what you're listening to. The amount of motivation audio that I listen to, like on a day-to-day -day basis, it snaps me out of my funks. It really gets me out of my own way. So um, that there's, you know, that's that's a real thing. Burnout is a very real thing. Um, and then there's the other side of it, which is what do you actually do to, to get yourself out of this state? Well, oh, this is a big one. I'm going to go close to the mic for this one. You ready? Yeah. Delegate. <laughs> Have systems in place so that if you were to go in a breakdown, your business doesn't stop. It's crazy how set a seven figure coaching practice agency, whatever is less hands-on than your six figure hustle and grind. So, you know, I would say to anybody that's dancing between six and seven, you know, or even just starting out for anybody at all, your burnout is inevitable. Your burnout is absolutely inevitable. Your spirit getting shot, is inevitable. Your exhaustion and fatigue is inevitable. It's all inevitable. So build your practice, build your business so that if you were to step away, it would continue and start that way of thinking from the very beginning. 
that's the, probably the greatest advice I could give myself, which is, and I can say that because I'm in it, right? I'm in it. You would think that hiring more people means you get to keep less money. Yeah, but you also get to advance in income based on how much you're progressing, how quick, how much more leads you can, like there's just, there's systems in place. So it's, it's, it's investments, you know, short-term investment for long-term gains. So delegate and put those structures in place because your burnout is on the way. It's inevitable. That's why it's so important to have systems in place and, and to have duplication. So it's not just one person doing everything. Uh, that's where they say the wealthy would rather have 1% of a hundred people's efforts versus a hundred percent of their own. Because mm. if, if, uh, if, someone gets sick and can't go to work, they're working 0%, they get paid accordingly. But when the wealthy get sick, 99% are still working and their paycheck reflects that. That is actually a wealth principle. So uh, that was a good point. If I say, hey, Marcos, what is your favorite memory as a professional? What, what comes to mind instantly? Any favorite moment that, that pops up? Today was pretty good. Today I went to go pick up my Tesla. That's a good day. Yeah. <laughs> so today I went and, and I looked at it and I, you know, and I got to, you know, play with it and be like, okay, are we doing this? Is this for real? And, uh, and that's been a dream car. So today was a good day. Just another Monday, just picking up a, a nice Tesla. <laughs> today was a good day. Yeah. Like honestly looking at that car and, and, just knowing what that car represents and, you know, where we were, like, we're in June, February, March, March, you know, January, February, March was really, really hard. And April, May, June have been really extraordinary. So that car is a representation of two months worth of work. Right. And not, it's not just about the car. It's that you would set a goal. And, it's a symbol. Yeah. It's a symbol. It, that car is a symbol. It, that car has been on the vision board for a long time now, you know, but we did it in a way where we didn't expect to get a car. We didn't expect, we know that the car depreciates value. It's less about the car. It's more about what we achieved in two months. Got us the car, helped us retire. Our, my mother-in-law is helping out my family is setting us up for Costa Rica properties. Like what we're doing now is we're look what we are, what we noticed about our systems and our, our ways of being is like, we're setting ourselves up for the experience of what this business is doing for us. So the car was a, a, a check, a checked box from what we set out to cause. So today was a good day. Sounds like a great day. Yeah. I today you know, so so you got a Tesla today that's a great day and for me I've been really focusing on nutrition and health uh, exercise sleep all that over the last three months and I've been getting great results so I I've, I've been doing one week of being amazing with my nutrition and then one cheat day just because mm. if it's no cheat days ever you're gonna go crazy we are human right so today's my cheat day so the equivalent of your Tesla is me uh, having a little Red Bull, having a little chocolate bar. That's my Tesla equivalent. Today's a great day for me as well. 
on, complete, on completely different levels. So uh, when you look back at your illustrious career, what is the one biggest mistake that you've made and what did you learn from that mistake? So usually good comes from that. You look back and it ends up being a blessing. And on the other end of it, what do you think is the smartest thing that you've ever done uh, so that maybe we can duplicate uh, what you did and what you learned from that as well? Yeah. Biggest mistake is not tracking my numbers responsibly. Biggest mistake was uh, earning by the ego, not earning by the reality. So you make 10,000 a month. Great. Uh, and then 30% of that to the corporation, 13% of that to your tax, and then minus your expenses including your employees and whatever else has to come up and then you pay yourself last. So you didn't make 10 K bro. You know, you probably made like 3,500. Is it worth it? Right? So doing that times a hundred and not being responsible with your numbers to know like where your money's actually going and then seeing your bottom line and just being like, Whoa, like that, that's a big mistake. So, Financial literacy is the plus side to that mistake. So the mistake, not being financially literate, do not start your business unless you understand how to charge, how to price, how to distribute, how to manage, how to put away, how to create, how to invest, how to double. Do not even bother. Like crash course finances, super important. Don't even try to start a business if you don't understand how much you actually get to keep and what you what the exchange actually looks like based on our system structures and results. Don't even bother because if you can't handle that, how much is required of you after you get left with what you pay yourself out, then you're not going to enjoy this because you're, you're always going to be unfulfilled. That's the biggest mistake. The biggest lesson is the opposite of that is Track, measure, study, save, duplicate, uh, invest, you know, it really just be very responsible with your financial literacy, ask for help, communicate, you know, stay organized, all of that stuff, right? All that stuff. That's really like, that's probably the best thing that I can say is every, when it comes to finances, because your business, as much as you want to go change the world, when you're, uh, when you're plagued by self-doubt, self-uncertainty, uh, by uh, scarcity, you know, when you're plagued by that financially, you don't feel the motivation to go out into the world unless you are one of those selfless servants that don't feel motivated by money. But if you're in the entrepreneurial game where you are out to turn, you know, profit, people, planet, like if that is part of your mission, money is a part of that. So if money's working for you, you'll have a better time. But if you're always in the negative and it's never enough, it's going to be very difficult for you to remain as optimistic about your initial impact mission driven, uh, impact driven mission. Hmm. My, my mentor, Mr. Byron Nelson, whom you're familiar with, you work with, you do uh, an online call every uh, Friday night, I believe the four horsemen, you're doing a lot of good there uh, for the community. Uh, he's drilled into me from the start. You need to inspect what you expect when it comes to numbers. That you can't just do things. Uh, you need to really know exactly what your goals are. You need to break them down. You need to be aware of what you're doing on a on a, a daily basis. And and uh, if you have a goal that's set, if you can actually 
break down exactly what needs to be done. Then you can keep track of if you're ahead of the schedule, if you're behind the schedule. Uh, so inspect what you expect is what he likes to say. And, and you can use that for the financials as well. Is Absolutely. Yeah. Love knowing, knowing where you stand. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of spoken word artists. There are a lot of inspirational speakers. There's a lot of coaches, uh, all the different things that you do uh, as, as a package and you do well, but not everyone has had the success that you've had. So what traits do you see in yourself that have allowed you to stand out in that crowded group? We're usually hard on ourselves and, and we don't allow ourselves to say nice things about ourselves. So I'm giving you permission to, to dive deep and see what it is that you think uh, you've Crazy. demonstrated in yourself. Yeah. Like I literally looked away because that triggered me. It was like, mm. I was like, I think what, what came up for me as soon as you asked, that, I was like, I'm done with talking about myself. <laughs> That's yeah. literally what came up. For me. I looked away. I was like, fuck. We, we've got, we've got, I don't know, three minutes left on this call. So you can talk a little bit more about yourself right now. And uh, it's so interesting. I won't, I won't ask you to do it again. Yeah. You called it out. That's so crazy. You said that. Like I, I looked, I was like, man, do I like that? That's so funny that that just happened. You just called it out. And that's what I felt. It was like, wow. Okay. I got it. Yeah. Okay. So I, I honor that space in the question. Um, the thing that came up for me is tenacity. You know, I am relentless. You know, when we talk about grit, grit is having consciousness of the long run and what it takes, being relentlessly driven by something, whether it be yourself or your mission or the world, whatever it is, you're just relentless. Um, being playful about it, like actually, like, <laughs> it's so true. Like if you, if you don't have a why or a burning desire or a purpose, then you wake up in the morning saying to yourself, oh, I don't want to get up or, oh, I'm not ready to get up or, oh, but when you're driven by something, you bolt out of bed, you jump out of bed. And I jump, I bolt out of bed for, for as long as I can remember. Over 10, 12 years, I've been jumping out of bed, excited to go to sleep, like eager, sleeping in a hurry. Like, okay, let's get this over with so we can continue the next day. And for me, tenacity, I am deeply, deeply tenacious and audacious. I have an audacity that is bloated by courage. Um, and self-worth, my breakthrough in my self-worth happened from a vivid dream that I had where my grandfather, when he passed away, he came into my dream the next day and gave me permission to, to increase my worth. And I listened to him and I took action on it. And I experienced tremendous manifestations that same week after he passed away, just from listening to what he told me to do in the dream. Um, so self-worth, tenacity, and audacity would be at the forefront of the things that I believe have caused me to experience the results that I've experienced. So we've got about seven months left in the year. It seems to be flying by. What is your vision for the rest of 2020? And can you share any goals you might've set for, for the, for the end of the year or for the rest of the year? We are 
yeah, like this is going to be a good year. We're just, we're, 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 we're dancing, you know, like I said, we're dancing between the, on the edge of the seven figure mark. And we're now being very responsible with the knowing of what we are going to create as a lifestyle design to respond to the way that uh, the planet has shifted in consciousness. Um, we're systemizing, scaling, uh, strategizing. We're, you know, going evergreen. We're building communities. We hired, uh, you know, we're up to, I think we're up to nine people so far this year, new people. Like we're just really scaling, scaling. That's the word we're scaling. The 2020 is about scaling, uh, and creating more by doing less. That's awesome. <laughs> now, with the years you have of experience, of knowledge, of training, of lessons, what advice would you give your younger self if you were starting over again and, and trying to accomplish what you've accomplished? And, and that'll be the final question as we wrap up here. Cool. Yeah, for me, it would be get a coach early, really early. As soon as your ambition kicks in and you have the self-confidence to pursue anything, get a coach right away. Uh, I don't care if you're 15, 12, whatever, just as soon as that kicks in, get a coach, find somebody that currently is doing what you aspire to be doing or has lived what you aspire, what you aspire to live and interview them with the intention to request for them to show you, to guide you, to mentor you, to hold space for you. That's number one. Uh, I would probably say do the landmark forum early as early as possible. Game changer. I would also say um, practice athleticism early. Get in the habit of creating a morning ritual athletically from as early as he possibly could. I would say um, you know something to do with community like don't follow the crowd and practice your ethics, you know, really practice in being ethical, practice integrity, practice uh, being a part of something bigger than yourself. Don't, you know, don't give in to the pressure of what society has you believe is the normal way of being, but rather create your own way of being. And, oh, big one, ready? Practice. Practice your friendship with your parents. Like actually be friends with your parents. You know, and, and I'm in this question, I'm, I'm imagining myself at, you know, 16. You know, don't think that you have to be angry because society shows 16-year-olds that are angry. Don't think that you have to smoke weed because everybody else is smoking weed at 16. Don't think that you have to uh, be miserable because everyone else is miserable. Don't think, no. It's like, stay close to your family, create a friendship, get a coach, do the landmark forum for teens, and just follow through on what your imagination wants and really just, and, and create that. Go create, create, and don't be a part of what society's planetary trends look like, you know? So that's, a, you know, and, that, that, and be athletic. Be as athletic as possible. Get in the habit of creating athletic rituals. 
That's all amazing advice. So as we wrap up the call, where can our listeners find you online? How do they dive into more of your stuff? How can they contact you uh, if they want to work with you? So if anyone that's listening to this feels compelled to want to engage into a conversation for the purpose of just exchanging value, sharing insights, being heard, creating a relationship. You know, I would love it for you to send me an email with a subject line. Let's create. And send me an email to marcos at coachable.cc. And marcos at coachable.cc, not C-A-C-C. Um, let's create meaning Let's create a conversation. Let's create a dialogue. Let's create an opportunity. Let's create an exchange. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at I am Marcos Mendoza. You know, my Instagram is not a, a fancy Instagram. It's a story-based Instagram. I just share as life happens. Um, Facebook is Marcos Mendoza as well, which honestly, I, I've, I've not, I'm not really too social lately. Like I have it um, for presence. But I'm working deeply on just nurturing relationships on the back end. So if you want to get in contact, email me directly and let's have a conversation about where you're at, what you're committed to, what's getting in your way, and who you believe you may have to become in order to experience the breakthroughs that will help you experience the success that you believe that you're ready to, to receive. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you, Marcos, for your time. Thank you for uh, offering value over the last hour. We really appreciate it. And you're one of my favorite speakers on the planet. So I want you to know that you've inspired me. Uh, I've been on stages more than than I thought I ever would be. Never thought of myself as a speaker, but sometimes as, as you follow your passion, you have a little bit of success, you end up at the front of the room. So uh, thank you for the inspiration and thank you for your time, brother. Thank you. Thank you for your space, your questions, your consideration, uh, the intention, the intricacy, the powerful questions, the research, um, and for your way of being. It's deeply appreciated. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the next call. Take care. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and I'd love to hear from you guys. My goal is to grow this podcast organically where you're giving me feedback on topics you'd like me to cover and guests you'd like me to interview. You can reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Joel Martin Mastery. Joel is J-O-E-L and on Twitter at Joel Mastery. So I am done. I am complete. I approve this message and I'll see you on the next episode.